Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 11. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Believers don't die. Who's listening? Believers don't die. We don't die. Ever. No, not never, 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 never. Believers don't die. We go to sleep. And we relocate. Am I right about it? And we relocate. But we will never die. Not in a million years. Not, not die. Listen, this is the greatest piece of news to ever fall on the ears of men. Are you listening? This is the greatest piece of news that ever hit the world, that death is not final. Because of Jesus, death is not inevitable hell. To the man who believes in this verse, Jesus says, death is no big deal. Death only opens up eternal life. This is the great hope of the believer, the resurrection. Somebody once said that the resurrection is the hinge on which the door of Christianity swings. This is the great hope of the believer, is that someday we'll be with Christ. And that's why we ought to live for Christ today. Somebody say better amen than that. We need to prepare to live for Christ. Why is it that we prepare for everything else but death? When in fact, death is the only certain thing. You can prepare to go to work tomorrow and they could call you tonight and say, you know what? We closed shop. You did what? We closed shop. But you prepared. We prepare for our 401k. Get your 401k or prepare for retirement. Prepare for vacation next year. We're going to Cancun. Where y'all going next year? Cancun. For real, yeah, we prepared. You don't know you're going to Cancun. You hope to go to Cancun. Okay? The only certain thing is the fact that you're going to someday stand before Jesus. That is the only certain thing. And it is the thing that people don't prepare for. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 7 Two, it is better for you to prepare to be at a festival or to be at a funeral than to be at a festival. You mean it's better to be at a funeral than a party? And some folks are like, you kidding me? I'm a party till it's 1999. <laughs> it's better to be at a funeral than a party? That's right. Because at a funeral, you come face to face with the mortality of life. 
At a funeral, you sit there and you think, you know what? Someday, that's going to be me in that casket. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're black, white, blue, purple. I don't care if you're a rapper. I don't care if you carry Underwood. Uh, is that her name? Yeah, uh-huh. I don't care. I don't care who you are. I was trying to think of somebody else, but I can't, I can't think that quick. Everybody going to die. Prepare for death. You know, I used to tell people that there is a, a tombstone in England, and it says it has an inscription on it. Well, I'm in New York just about, I don't know, three months ago or whatever. I'm preaching somewhere up there, and we went to Ground Zero, and then we went to this church that's near Ground Zero, and they have a, a grave site area outside of the church. And I saw the same inscription on a grave site right there in New York City, right by Ground Zero. And it says this, pause, stranger, as you pass me by, as you are now, so once was I, as I am now, so you will be. So prepare for death and follow me. And someone was overheard to say this, to follow you is not my intent until I know which way you went. <laughs> I used to always think that that was just in England. And then I saw it in New, in New York and I was like, man, that's right here in the U.S. But which way will you go? We must prepare for death. The great hope of the believer is that someday we'll be with Jesus. Jesus died and when he died, he rose again on Easter Sunday morning and he rose in victory. Somebody say amen. And on that great getting up morning, Easter Sunday morning, when Jesus rose, he got victory over sin, Satan and sickness, the devil and disease and death. First Corinthians 15, 54, 55, memory verse, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? It's great news because there's no need to fear death. I love to read this poem every time I talk about the resurrection and death. Listen at this. John Doan's awesome words of victory over death. Death, be not proud, though some have called thee mighty and dreadful, for thou art not so. For those whom thou doest think to overthrow die not, poor death, nor yet canst thou kill me. And this is the great hope of the believer. Death has no dominion, no power over us. Well, look at verse 28. We got to move on. If you're looking at verse 28, say, I'm looking at it. And when Jesus had said these things, she went her way and, and, and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, the teacher has come and is calling for you. And as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. And then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, they followed her saying, she's going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him. And what did she do, saints? She fell down at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Sound familiar? Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, 
where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35, y'all read it with me. Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible. And then the Jews said, see how he loved him. Look how much he loved this guy. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Stop right there. Martha went to Mary secretly, probably trying not to stir all the people in the house and said, Jesus has come. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and she went to Jesus and people followed her because they thought that she was going to the grave. But did you get this? She wasn't headed to the grave. She was headed to the feet. She was heading to the feet of the master. Now, listen, let me let me say something right here. Give me your attention. I know that there are people who, from time to time, uh, go to the gravesite with um, maybe their loved one died and maybe it's birthday or anniversary or, or something like that. And, and people go to the tomb and they leave flowers there and, and they do that fairly often. And, 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 I, and I honestly, I think that's sweet. I think that, 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 that's sweet and I don't, uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I do want to tell you this, that if your loved one died and they were a believer, um, they're not there. They, they are in heaven with Jesus. Somebody say a better amen to that. Uh, they're, in, they're in heaven with Jesus. So, so you're taking flowers. You take, go out and get a nice $35 bouquet and put it on the tomb. There are people who go to grave sites, I kid you not, who go to grave sites at night and take up the big, take up the flowers of the people who leave fresh flowers because they cheat. They take up the fresh flowers, then they go give them to their girlfriend. Hey, I bought you some flowers. Now, you know that ain't right. Some things are just wrong. That's just wrong. You know, honestly, can I encourage you? Instead of, you know, going to sit at the feet of your loved one, how about be like Mary and Place yourself at the feet of Jesus. How about, how about that? Well, Mary saw, look at verse 32. When Mary saw Jesus, she fell down, and the same thing Martha said, Mary said, Jesus, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. They probably had that statement memorized. And what's interesting here is, note this, saints, the same words, watch this, you're going to love it, the same words, different posture. What do you mean, Pastor? Look at verse 21. Martha runs to him, active and ready, and says, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Look at verse 32. Mary falls at his feet, passive and prostrate, prostrate, and says, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Verse 21. Now, Martha said to Jesus, it actually implies to his face, if you, had not, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Verse 32, Mary fell down and cried those words at his feet. Y'all get that? Interesting. The words are the same, but the heart is different. The position of the heart. Because you can be bowed down in your heart and not physically bowed down. You got that? So the, the heart is, is different. And Jesus deals with them differently. Martha needed intellectual propping up. Mary needed emotional support. 
Martha needed to know that Jesus was in control. Mary needed to know that Jesus cared. It's interesting that Jesus met both these ladies right where they were. And whether she was standing or prostrate, as Jesus dealt with Martha, he dealt with her from an intellectual standpoint. And when he deals with Mary, he dealt with her with tears. Verse 35, Jesus wept. Therefore, in verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews weeping, everybody's weeping, he groaned in the spirit. Y'all getting this? And was troubled. Now, the word groaned is also the word deeply moved. Maybe it says that in your Bible. He's deeply moved in the spirit. And listen, this word groan is never a word of compassion, but it's a word of rebuke and, and warning. The word troubled means shaken and agitated. It's the same word that's used for the waters of the pool of Bethesda being stirred. There's lots of speculation as to why Jesus was disturbed and shaken and troubled. It could be he's angered and indignant about what death does, angry about what sin has done to his creation, angry at the stress of mankind, angry to watch his children grieve so intensely. We don't know. But what we do know is Jesus is in turmoil and we see his heart is wrung out and there's an involuntary groan. He's gripped. And grabbed by the situation in verse 34 and 35, Jesus said, where have you laid him? They said, Lord, come and see. And that wasn't because he didn't know where he was. He wanted to move everyone to the grave site. Verse 35, Jesus wept. The Greek word for wept, I can't pronounce it, but it means this, write it down, to silently burst into tears. To silently burst into tears. It wasn't a professional cry like the whalers, and it wasn't a sentimental cry like you would with a movie. It was the kind of cry that you can't hold back the tears. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Where your eyes just fill up with water and tears begin to flow and run down your face and roll over your cheek. This is a spontaneous kind of weeping. He burst into tears silently. This is the same kind of weeping. Listen, that Jesus stood on the mountain and looked over Jerusalem and said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I would have desired to gather you as a mother hen gathers her chicks, but you were not willing. He was weeping. Think about it. Jesus is sovereign, yes? Sovereign means he knows everything. And he knows he's going to raise Lazarus. So the question is, why is he weeping? Because I believe, listen, Jesus is caught in human suffering at this moment. Remember, he was a man, 100% man, 100% God. Y'all with me? 100% man, 100% God. The Bible tells us that he was a man of sorrows, somebody help me, acquainted with grief. He's trapped in the sorrow of the moment, and because he was so human, he couldn't relinquish that. And I appreciate these two words, Jesus wept, because it helps me to understand we really do serve a sympathetic Savior. Am I right about it? We really do serve a sympathetic. Hebrews tells us that he's our sympathetic high priest. The word sympathetic, you're taking notes, write it down, means to suffer alongside of to suffer alongside of. 
Jesus Christ suffers along with us in our pain and our weakness because he's not apathetic, he's sympathetic. He's sensitive and compassionate and caring and gentle and kind-hearted and considerate and concerned and loving. And we could go on and on about the character and the nature of Jesus. Jesus doesn't just weep for us in our sin, but with us in our suffering. Someone once wrote this, they said, so strange one with absolute power would surrender to so small an army as tears. Gosh, I like that. I'm going to Facebook it after service. So strange one with absolute power would surrender to so small an army as tears. Jesus wept. Somebody else wrote this. For a beautifully tender moment, we are given the privilege to glimpse one one of the most, the privilege to glimpse one of the most provocative embraces between deity and humanity. For a beautifully tender moment, we are given the privilege to glimpse one of the most provocative embraces between deity, God, and humanity. So Jesus is weeping. I'm coming in for a landing. Jesus is weeping. The people are weeping. And Mary is weeping. Now read your Bible. Every time Mary is mentioned in the Gospels, she is seen at the feet of Jesus. In good times, in happy times, in terrible times, at all times, Mary is seen at the feet of Jesus. You know, I've noticed over my 20 plus years of ministry and 18 of them pastoring. They're basically three types of people. I've noticed this. Basically three types of people. There are those people who sit at Jesus' feet in happy times. Things are going great. They go to church every Sunday because things are going great. I know I ain't talking to nobody right here, but I'm going to just tell y'all those kind of people, all right? Things are going great. Go to church every Sunday, praising the Lord, everything is great. But when terrible times come, these same people can't be found. And then there are those kind of people who sit at his feet in terrible times. Well, they run to Jesus when they need help. Don't get me wrong. Nothing wrong with that. You should when you need help. They're always in church. Something's wrong. Always in church. Oh, God, I need your help. Oh, God, help me. And oh, God, if you get me out of this one, I'll come to church every, every Sunday. And Lord, I'll throw in Three Wednesdays. Lord, you know, okay, four, four, all Wednesdays, Lord. Then you have those kind of people too. And when things, when things get good, then and they don't need Jesus anymore. And they know where to be found. And then there are those people like Mary. In happy times, in terrible times, at all times, she's sitting at the feet of Jesus. Got your pen? Luke chapter 10, Mary, Martha's busy. Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus fellowshipping. Martha was angry and Jesus said, Martha, Martha, leave Mary alone. She has chosen the better part. Write this down. She found her blessing at his feet. John 11, right here, Mary said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Write this down. She brought her burden to his feet. Matthew 26, she poured costly perfume over his head and anointed him. Write this down. She gave her best at his feet. 
She found her blessing at his feet. She brought her burden to his feet. She gave her best at his feet. The secret of Mary is found and the power of Mary is found at the feet of Jesus. This is where she got her, her, her power, her strength. So, I leave you here. Question, where are you sitting today? Where are you sitting, amen, at the feet of Jesus? People often say, you know, I want the Lord to work in my life. I want to know the Lord with all my heart, and I want to be God's man. I want to be God's woman. Well, sit at his feet. I want to be like Mary and get the best part. Well, sit at his feet. I want to be like David. David said, one thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. David said, one thing I want to do is I want to see Jesus, I want to go to church, and I want to see Jesus. One thing, not many things. If I could say to Christians in the universal church, not only Calvary Chapel, but in the universal church, I would say we need to become people who are one thing minded because our minds are on many things. And we live in a culture where it's very hard to have your mind on one thing because it is all we, we got so much stuff, so much information. Am I the only one? I thought, the, I thought technology was supposed to simplify your life. It got me going crazy. You got Facebook and Twitter and I still don't understand Instagram. I'm like, what's the point in Instagram? Then some lady came up after service. I said, this is second service. And she came up after service. She tried to explain it to me. I said, I don't know what you're talking about. I just saw her lips. She looked like she's going wah, 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 wah. I just don't get it. I don't get it. And there's so much coming at us, and we got the internet. And, and why do you think they call it net? Net, because it'll trap you up. Don't get me wrong. Some of it could be good if you use it for the glory of God. But it could be bad. And a lot of it is. But it's all coming at us and we're always, you know, nowadays you have to work at finding time to sit at the feet of Jesus. You got to turn off your cell phone, turn off your iPad. One day, I'm not kidding you, my, 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 I've got two, two laptops. Um, both one rang, then the other one rang, my iPad rang, my phone rang. I started to jump out of a window. I'm like, I can't believe this. It's crazy. <laughs> we got to find time and carve out time to sit at the feet of Jesus. One thing, I want to worry less and pray more. We'll sit at the feet of Jesus. Thanksgiving is coming up, and I want to be ready for my family. We'll come to church on Wednesday night, sit at the feet of Jesus. Shameless plug. You want to sit at Jesus' feet, be in his presence, and be where he is so you can receive power. Somebody once said, the way to keep from being defeated is to spend time at his feet. Don't you love that? And I wrote that word defeated, D-E-F-E-E-T-E-D. Defeated 
is to spend time at his feet. And why not purpose in your heart? Don't wait the January to start a New Year's resolution. Somebody say amen. amen. Do it now. So I'm going to do it now. I'm going to start now, today. I'm going to start carving 10, 15 minutes in the morning. Just me, no phone, no iPads, no cell phones, no nothing, no kids. Tell the, lock the kids in a, a closet. Amen. Some of y'all saying that's child abuse. And no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You know, y'all know I'm just kidding. But find time to spend time with Jesus. He he wants to spend time with you. Do you want to spend time with him? If you want to spend time with him, then just do it. And I don't care if you're eight or eighty. We can all spend time with Jesus. Am I right about it? Come on, clap your hands for the Lord. Will you do that? You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.